Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're talking about a UFO encounter at Devil's Den. That's correct, a UFO encounter at Devil's Den. Now, the title says, Strange UFO Encounters in Missouri with Terry Loveless. And it begins by giving a little bit of a bio here on Terry Loveless. He says, I am 64. Of course, this is six years ago, five years ago. I spent six years in the U.S. Air Force. I have a bachelor's degree in psychology and a law degree from U of M School of Law, TMC campus. I passed the Michigan bar exam on my first attempt and was in private practice until I entered government service for the U.S. Territory of American Samoa. Gazan talks about working in Samoa. Uh, then he ends up going to Vermont, where he is assistant uh, AG for the state of Vermont. And then he says, uh, I've been married for 42 years. My wife and I were active Lion Club members and volunteered our time and efforts for their mission to stop blindness. We have two adult children who live uh, near us in Dallas. I've never abused substances or been arrested but for these events, my life has been ordinary in all regards. So what he's telling you is, he's a stand-up guy. I mean, has his law license. He's been he's a, a military guy, uh, assistant uh, AG for Vermont. Some, <laughs> this guy's got a lot of power, man. I mean, these are the guys that put you in prison uh, if they suspect and get convictions. So we've entrusted this guy with the power to determine whether or not people are guilty of serious crimes and put them in prison for perhaps the rest of their life. This is what you would call an expert witness. Just keep that in mind. His story from the 1970s. He says, I grew up in urban St. Louis. After graduating from high school in 1973, I joined the U.S. Air Force and was trained as a medic EMT. I was stationed permanently at Whiteman Air Force Base for the next five and a half years. WAFB was an SAC base, home to a squadron of nuclear-armed B-52s. It was also the home of the 351st Strategic Missile Wing, with dozens of missile silos spread across rural western Missouri. This area was very sparsely populated in the 70s. The airbase is a half a day drive north of Devil's Den. So this is a guy that's been, you know, he's joined the Air Force, he's working at this base, these people are entrusted with our nuclear arsenal, kind of a big deal. He says, I drove an ambulance for the base hospital, and worked graveyard shift from 11 p.m. to 8 a.m. My partner was a younger airman first class I'll refer to as Toby. Together we were first responders to accidents, injuries, on base, or at any of the missile silos. Toby was from Urban Flint, Michigan. He was a 20-year-old kid with a gift for mathematics. He hoped to attend the University of Michigan and study astronomy. Coincidentally, I attempted law school at U of M I attended law school, rather, at U of M years later. Toby was an amateur astronomer, and on most warm evenings, we sat on the ambulance ramp in lawn chairs and watched the sky, waiting for the crash phone to ring. Gazzani says, in January of 1975, our crash phone rang at about 2 a.m. A missile technician servicing an ICBM fell inside a silo 
designated Kilo 5. Oh boy, that would that would not be fun. The dispatch was unusually thin on facts, and the radio was unusually quiet without the routine chatter. I drove the ambulance while Toby navigated. It was 18 miles to, to Kilo 5 in a desolate area in the middle of a soybean field. We arrived at a chaotic scene. A dozen security police and 30 guys with M16s ran around looking up. I found a captain in charge. He ordered me to park the ambulance and stay put. Then Toby noticed a matte black diamond-shaped object hovering 20 or so feet over Kilo 5. It was as big as a full-size van. I looked for wires or some explanation as to how this thing could just sit in midair. Mentally, it was difficult to process. We watched this thing sit for about 15 minutes. Then it just shot off to the east from a dead stop to the speed of a bullet without accelerating. Wow. So it was just instant. It wasn't like it had to speed up and go. This, this thing just took off at basically what sounds like the speed of light. We were debriefed and our reports were rewritten. Our CO told us that the object was an experimental helicopter and top secret. Now, does that sound like a, an experimental helicopter to you? We knew back then he was full of shit and had no idea what we saw. We were sternly warned not to talk about it and were asked to surrender any drawings we may have made. Two years later, my friend Toby, two years later, my friend Toby and I are still working the night shift at the ER. One night, Toby suggested we go on a camping trip. I enjoyed wildlife photography and had a new camera I wanted to try. Photography was not allowed on the base. Toby and I were both city kids. Neither one of us had ever been camping in our lives. There were plenty of national forest campgrounds all around us, but Toby convinced me the long drive to Devil's Den was worth it because it offered, one, a high plateau where he could stargaze without light pollution, and two, I could photograph wildlife and scenery. He was against staying at the park's campground, comparing it to camping in a parking lot in the woods. So we trespassed deep into the nature preserve that was off-limits and set up our camp on the edge of a plateau abutting a tree line. Don't you love that, how the government just likes to uh, create uh, off-limits areas <laughs> for the critters? I mean... It just seems like such a convenient way for them to hide things. Yes, we have this area of, of hundreds or thousands of acres where people can't go because it's a wildlife preserve. How convenient. He says, when we were four hours into our drive south toward the Arkansas border, I realized my camera um, I realized I left my camera on my kitchen counter. It was a big disappointment, but I was determined to make the best of it. We did bring our small tent, insect repellent, and sunscreen, and enough food and water for two overnights. On our first night, we were exhausted from a hike we took when we first arrived, a long drive and setting up a campsite. About 9 p.m., Toby noticed three stars on the horizon. They made a perfect triangle. They were small at first and moved in perfect unison. Guess what? Those weren't stars. It became obvious this was one solid object and not three independent lights orchestrated to move in perfect to move in perfect formation. We watched it ascend and grow closer and much larger until it was directly over the top of our campsite. We noticed that as it passed through a star field, 
It blotted them out until it moved past. Then they would blink back on. So it was one solid object. So here you go. You've got this, these two guys who just had previously witnessed this UFO hovering over a missile silo. And now they're here. They are on a camping trip. And once again, the two of them are witnessing another UFO. It was odd that at first this thing in the sky made us anxious, but that soon dissipated. We noticed the whole forest was now dead silent when an hour earlier it had been alive with crickets and tree frogs. While this thing was over our heads, we became abruptly disinterested. We were also suddenly drowsy, not tired, but almost sedated. At midnight, we just decided to get into the tent and go to sleep. The apathy puzzles me to this day. It seems to me as though maybe this this sedating effect that this thing had on these two gentlemen was the same thing that the wildlife, the animals, the insects, the, all the little frogs were experiencing. It's Whether it's putting out some sort of uh, radio wave or some sort of you know chemical agent, we don't know, but it does seem like these things frequently are associated with people uh, becoming apathetic or tired or sedated. It says, I woke up at 3 a.m. to brilliant multicolor lights, white, yellow, and orange, illuminated the inside of our tent. Through a rear small net window, I saw the force behind us lit up like a night game at the ballpark. I noticed my clothing and boots were all askew. I pushed Toby aside so we could both look outside toward the meadow. There was an enormous UFO as large as a five-story office building. It was a triangle, with each leg being about a city block in length. It was 50 foot tall and set stationary 30 feet over the meadow floor. There was a, there was a noise, too. It was a low bass hum or drone, not so much loud as it was powerful. It was like standing next to a running diesel train engine or a large industrial machine. Man, imagine this thing. An enormous UFO as large as a five-story office building. It was a triangle, with each leg being about a city block in length. This thing was enormous. We saw what I first took to be children walking around the meadow underneath the triangle. Classic case of entities. There was a column of white light, about 30 feet in diameter, shining down from the center of the triangle. We watched as these little people walked into the light and just dissolved, one by one until they were gone. The hum stopped, and the corner lights all returned to brilliant white. The white cylinder from the middle stopped, and the thing rose about like a hot air balloon. It made a one-third clockwise rotation, and continued its ascent, picking up speed until it was high in the sky, then gone. While we were apathetic earlier, now we were scared out of our wits. We abandoned our campsite, and ran to the car and drove back to the base. Toby left his backpack with his name and base address written inside. This is how they were able to find us so quickly. Now that's weird. He said that they went into this wildlife preserve area. They had to trespass to get in there because this is one of those areas where the state or the feds or whoever decide that this is only a place for animals to go. People aren't allowed you know, I thought the whole point of preserving wildlife and nature was so that humans could enjoy it. But no, this is a park for squirrels and UFOs, apparently. 
It says, both of us suffered severe sunburns all over our bodies. It almost sounds like radiation poisoning. Even the soles of my feet were burned. We were terribly dehydrated, and we spent a couple days in hospital. Man, that's serious. Now, this kind of gets back to this whole thing about these people. Uh, we talked about the Stanford study, where over 100 individuals who had encounters with UFOs reported having serious damage, brain damage even, where the, where the doctor said it looked like it was damage similar to what happens to a person who has uh, MS when you have this fibrous uh, buildup on the nerves or whatever. Some of them, I think, even had tumors or cancer. So, this this uh, this whole thing where people are injured by these things. Wow. He says, we were terribly dehydrated and we spent a couple of days in hospital, the same hospital where we worked. While hospitalized, we were interrogated separately by two men in business suits. They identified themselves as special agents from the OSI. The OSI is the Office of Spatial Investigations. It's the investigative arm of the U.S. Air Force Security Police. I recall the older man was a major and the younger a captain. So they didn't just send over a couple of privates to talk to these guys. They demanded that I hand over the film I took during the trip. I told them I left my camera at home. My wife backed up that story, but they wouldn't believe us. My car and home were searched. I was interrogated a second time at OSI headquarters. They had the mistaken belief I had photographed this thing. I wish I had. My best friend began to drink. He was quickly reassigned, and we were ordered to have no contact with one another until the investigation closed. I learned that day that Toby began drinking heavily and was divorced and discharged from the U.S. Air Force. He died homeless on the streets of Flint in 1982. Oh, that's just awful. That's, it seems as though this, this experience was so impactful on this talented, intelligent young guy that his life just collapsed after that. Intermittently, over the next ten years, I was plagued with dreadful nightmares about that night. At my wife's suggestion, I began to keep a journal of my nightmares. I kept a pen and paper by my bedside, and I did my best to document each nightmare before it evaporated. I think that helped me. Ever since 1977, I am uncomfortable being outside in open spaces, especially after dark. I sleep with a light or the television on. I keep a loaded 380 by my, my loaded 38 by my bedside table and a high-intensity flashlight. I am uncomfortable around elderly Asian women for some odd reason. I feel anxious at the mall when we walk past a widow, a window display with naked mannequins in the window. I mean, I have to think this guy was abducted. I mean, that's that's the vibe that I'm getting off of this. Something had happened to us at Devil's Den. My heart goes out to the family of this young man who went missing in August of last year. There is a postscript. I became a non-competitive runner in 1980. I ran until I had a heart problem in 2005. When I ran, there was a spot on my right leg the size of a half dollar that went completely numb every time I passed the two-mile mark. Every time, it would remain numb for 30 or so minutes. In 2012, I had an x-ray of my leg following an accident. If you look at the x-ray, and I have a picture of it here, to the very top and far right, you'll see a metal object the size of a postage stamp. It is directly over what I call my numb spot. There is no scar to indicate the site where this thing entered my body. According to a radiologist, absent a scar, I would have had to have been born with this thing in my leg. The x-ray brought with it intrusive thoughts and terrible images 
from 1977. This is a classic replaced, repressed rather memories from an abduction. And you know, when people are so negatively impacted by these encounters or these inductions, it does not give me the idea that whatever these entities are, that they're here to help. After a 40-year hiatus, nightmares about 1977 have returned and still disturb my sleep. The book relating to this story, Incident at Devil's Den, a true story by Terry Loveless, can be bought at Amazon. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Wow. That's, that is riveting. Um, we have a couple other things here. It says here, now this article is talking about the same thing. This is from theguardian.com. It says, what I saw that night was real. It's time to take aliens more seriously. And this uh, says, it starts off, it says, In June, the U.S. government published a long-awaited report into UFOs. Although the report did not, as many had hoped, admit to the existence of little green men, it did reveal that not only were objects appearing in our skies, that the Pentagon, which controls the U.S. military, cannot explain, but some clearly pose a safety of flight issue and may pose a challenge to U.S. national security. The Pentagon also revealed that it has been taking UFOs so seriously that in 2007, it discreetly set up the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, or ATIP, which has been gathering data on unexplained aerial phenomena ever since. The unclassified version of the report, there's also a classified version It says, found no clear indications that there is any non-terrestrial explanation for the sightings, but neither did it rule out the report offered five typically mundane, and then it goes on and talks a little bit about that. It says, enthusiasm for UFOs and ETs have permeated popular culture ever since a U.S. Air Force balloon crashed near Roswell. Uh, now, we don't know it was a balloon. We've been told multiple things by the government. This could have been a balloon. could have been a parachute with a dummy on it. Obviously, this was covered up. And then, launching into the derogatory term conspiracy theorist, confuse a balloon for a UFO, more nonsense. Andre Abite, professor of psychology at Rutgers University, co-authored We Are Not Alone, a study into why some want to believe in aliens. Abite explains that the belief in aliens is akin to religiosity, unfounded beliefs, and unfalsifiable ideas which require a leap of faith. You know, this is, this is the kind of... Uh, debunking stuff it just it's so maddening now it goes on after we get after we wade through all the nonsense that this author puts out out there all of the attempts to uh, deperson people who have seen ufos he gets clear down here and then he says loveless now 67 was on a camping trip in devil's den state park in northern arkansas with a friend and colleague named toby when things got strange they were sitting around a fire struggling to chat over the den of buzzing crickets and crooking tree frogs before everything went quiet. What sounds this that sounds kind of cliched out of a movie, but it is exactly what happened to us, he says. Three bright lights appeared on the horizon and moved in their direction. When the lights were overhead, they could see that they were emanating from a black triangular prism 
as wide as two city blocks, a blue laser beam darted over them, which Lovelace thought was scanning them. When it shut off, they became sleepy. Next thing, he woke up and saw Toby peering out the tent. The triangle was hovering above what appeared to be a dozen children standing in a meadow below them. What are these kids doing out there in the middle of the night, said Lovelace. They aren't, they aren't little kids. Don't you remember they took us and they hurt us, Toby answered. Lovelace says the moment Toby said that, fragmented memories of being inside the UFO flashed in his mind. Years later, hypnosis helped him fill in more blanks, and he recalled actually encountering creatures while inside the UFO. Now, it sounds like here this article was written a little bit later, and possibly Lovelace has been doing some work on releasing some of those repressed memories. You could say the guy's just trying to uh, catch the wave of UFO abduction stories. He wants to make money selling a book. But the thing is, he appears to have an implant in his leg. That's what really gets me. And secondly, this guy has a entire history from childhood to adult of being a solid citizen. He was a, he a career military guy. He was an assistant AG in Vermont. And then he has this experience, you know, before all that, even, with this UFO. So this this happened in his life in his 20s. But he goes on from there. He gets his law license. He practices in Samoa. He, he goes and practices in Vermont. And he's telling you about something that happened, you know, 35, 45 years before that. So it's hard to believe that somebody who was uh, that mentally fragile would have been able to be as successful as he was. It says, for some fact that the Pentagon has finally admitted it cannot explain the behavior of the objects may have been a surprise, but for P.C. Alan Godfrey, 73, it merely proves what he already knows. On a windswept and wet West Yorkshire evening in November 1980, Godfrey was in hot pursuit of a herd of escaped cows in Todmoden's housing estate. Instead of cows, he stumbled across a giant levitating diamond that would change the course of his life. Godfrey's close encounter with this UFO went viral worldwide and transformed Todd Morden into Britain's Roswell. Godfrey, a non, a no-nonsense Yorkshireman, born and raised in Oldham, is long retired from the force but still recalls the events of that night where he came face-to-face with the peculiar object, a diamond-shaped aircraft hovering five feet off the ground while spinning on its axis. He just had time to sketch the UFO on his notepad before he was blinded. In his next moment of conscious awareness, he was sitting in his patrol call, his patrol car. The UFO was gone. I got out of the car. I looked at the road surface, and it was likely it was like a whirlpool. He says the UFO's rapid revolutions had arranged the dead cow, dead leaves, twigs, and other debris in an autumn-themed spiral. In the aftermath of his encounter. He had visits from Ministry of Defense, correspondence from a Russian scientist, and interest from the world's press. He even underwent hypnosis to uncover memories of his abduction. Now, this is the second case. Uh, the structure of this article is a little bit strange to me. I mean, they spend the first half debunking the whole idea of UFOs and abductions, and then they give us these two really solid uh, reports, the first by Lovelace and the second here by Godfrey. It says Godfrey was ridiculed for years. Many who claim to have had encounters with UFOs are reluctant to go on the record for fear of the same treatment. But things are changing. Well, we know people have fear of going on the record because they don't want to be depersoned. And then the article continues on a little bit more. It quotes some of the deep state regulars that I won't take time to read. There was one other one here that I just wanted to uh, finish up or 
episode because I just think this Loveless case is so interesting. I know we got a little sidetracked there, but this one is from nwaonline.com. It says, One Man's UFO Story. The author discusses lifetime of extraterrestrial encounters. It says, It's hard to dismiss Terry Loveless as a crazy man. He was an EMT and medic in the Air Force, earned a law degree from the University of Michigan, worked as both a defense attorney and in the offices of Attorney General. Oh, and he's been married to the same woman for 46 years and raised a reportedly happy and functional family. Doesn't sound like a nut. Loveless says he never intended to tell the rest of his story or to write a book about it until he took up jogging in 2012. Although he'd always suffered from nightmares and hated being in wide-open, exposed places, it was then he noticed something about his body. He couldn't explain. Every time he'd, sit, he'd hit the two-mile mark, a place just above his knee would go numb. Finally, medical tests revealed an unexplained piece of metal the size of a fingernail implanted in his leg. It says it wasn't, sharp, it wasn't shrapnel. He'd never been in active combat. He'd never been through surgery. There was no entrance scar, and he had no memory of ever being injured. Or did he? Loveless is the author of Incident at Devil's Den, a true story, and one of the speakers on the roster for the 33rd Annual Ozark Mountain UFO Conference in Eureka Springs, which has been rescheduled, it says here, for July 24th through 26th. This must be from a couple of years ago, I think. It says, uh, I want to be clear from the start, he says, in Interix News book, I am not on a mission to change your mind about the topic of UFOs or existence of alien life. I plan to take my story to my grave, but having started to tell it two years ago this month when this book came out, Loveless says, the experience of speaking at UFO conferences has largely been positive. After 40 years of speaking to juries, I have zero anxiety speaking in front of people, he says. I just tell my story as honestly as, as, honestly as I can without embellishment. People appreciate it, and something about the story seems to resonate with them. He has also received some 1,300 emails from people who claim they too have, been, have had experiences with ETs. Think about it. This guy was a lawyer for 40 years or better. I, he, I mean, he's trying criminal cases. If we really think that his story is just totally nonsense, he's crazy, it's bogus, whatever, then shouldn't we go back and review every single case he's prosecuted? I mean, honestly, that article we just looked at, they spend the first half of the article trying to deperson someone like this. How do you deperson somebody who's been a prosecuting attorney for 40 years? I mean, how do you do that? When we've trusted this guy uh, not only to, to be at a nuclear weapons site, but we've trusted him to dispense justice for decades. And if we don't trust him, then every single one of those cases he was involved in should be looked at. I have to trust this guy. I mean, he's, his history is impeccable. There's a core group of about 700 that really ring true, he says, by phone from his home in Dallas. Uh, there's certain commonality that runs through them. He's talking about the, all of the different emails he gets. Loveless's own story starts when he was a child, about eight years old, and started seeing little monkey-like people in his bedroom at night. It continues with sightings of UFOs, sometimes when he was alone, sometimes with his Air Force buddy, Toby, and sometimes with his wife. Now, we're getting a little more detail here. This sounds like this guy was really targeted by these things. But it was a Devil's Den incident that haunts him most to this day. Stationed at an Air Force... station at at an Air Force base in Missouri, Loveless and his EMT colleague, Toby, decided the decision was very random, 
decided, a decision that was very random and out of character, he says, to take a camping trip into Arkansas. Toby chose Devil's Den, but they didn't want to stay in the campgrounds at the state park. Instead, they found a summit outside the park where they intended to pitch a tent, watch the night sky, and take photos of majestic overlooks and animals. 24 hours later, their lives were changed forever. Loveless believes that over, the net, over that time period, they both were taken aboard a spacecraft, and whatever they did to me, Toby got a double dose of it. They never spoke about what happened, not on the drive back to Missouri, and not later, except during one brief encounter when Loveless assured Toby that he wasn't crazy, and it really did happen as he remembered it. Diagnosed with PTSD twice in recent years, Loveless says, Writing the book was very therapeutic for me, and I'm and I'm glad that I did it. Speaking in public was really very helpful to me, too. And to those who say he's simply seeking attention, Loveless has this response. To be honest, I don't need to sell books. That's not the object of, my, of the exercise. If you think I'm a liar, there's nothing I can do to change that. Have a nice day. Yeah, that's a kind of a good attitude. So what I like about this case is that we were able to see uh, some stuff that he'd written a few years ago. I mean, you wrote the book about the experience and just kind of put it out there and just gave us a outline of what happened. And then it appears as if he's been doing some kind of therapy uh, to access these repressed memories, which so many people that uh, claim to have been abducted seem to have. And he's been able to flush out some more details. Very sad that his uh, friend, who was the co-experiencer, uh, had such a, a tragic end to his life. I have to say, I really find this case believable, not just be, you know, partly on the character of this Loveless, but also from the x-rays of this, what appears pretty obvious to me to be an alien implant found there in his leg. And I think that the, the third article we looked at just goes to show these kinds of experiences, uh, they aren't just, it's not just uh, Loveless who has them. These experiences have been had by many people all across the planet, and they've been had by people that, you know, law enforcement, military, people that we consider to be reliable witnesses. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.